Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible study in the book of Revelation. Tonight is study number three of Revelation chapter 14, and we're going to be reading verse 2. And I heard a voice from heaven, as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And here, uh, once again, we're coming across information that we've seen previously in our study of the book of Revelation. For instance, if we turn back to Revelation chapter 1, Revelation 1, it says, uh, just to show who's speaking in verse 11, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. So that's identification of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then uh, in verse 14, His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. The voice of the Lord Jesus Christ is as the sound of many waters. And this is the voice that the Apostle John is hearing once again in chapter 14 and verse 2. He heard a voice from heaven, and that's where Christ is located. He's he's eternal God in heaven, as the voice of many waters. And the, the waters identify with the word of God. The gospel is the Bible, and whatever the Bible declares is the gospel. And that's the voice that John is hearing in this revelation God is giving him. And it goes on to say, this voice from heaven is also as the voice of a great thunder. A voice of many waters, a voice of a great thunder. In Job chapter 37, Job 37, it says, beginning in verse 2, Hear attentively the noise of his voice, and the sound that goeth out of his mouth. He directeth it under the whole heaven, and his lightning unto the ends of the earth. After it a voice roareth, he thundereth with the voice of his excellency, and he will not stay them when his voice is heard. God thundereth marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he which we cannot comprehend. And the voice of a great thunder is referring to the voice of God. And we've all heard this. There's not a human being that uh, hasn't heard the mighty thunder during a storm. And it is so loud, everyone, momentarily at least, stops and takes notice of um, that terrifying voice of God. It's coming from God as all weather comes from God, but it's a figure of the Word of God, the powerful Word of God. And God's Word in the spiritual realm is uh, as mighty and as powerful as the thunder 
sounds in the physical. Um, also in Psalm 29, Psalm 29, I'll read a couple of verses, verses 3 and 4. The voice of Jehovah is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. Jehovah is upon many waters. The voice of Jehovah is powerful. The voice of Jehovah is full of majesty. All these things are involved. The powerful, majestic voice of the almighty God of Scripture is what John, the apostle, is hearing as as God is continuing to give him this divine revelation. So he hears the voice of many waters, the Lord Jesus Christ. He hears the voice of a great thunder, God Almighty. And it says, And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. Harpers harping with their harps. That's um, It's a little difficult to say, almost like one of those nursery rhymes where where you uh, say several words consecutively that all begin with the same letter, and it's a tongue twister. But here God is uh, once again indicating the word of God, the gospel, the Bible, is what John is hearing. He heard it through the um, the picture of many waters. He heard the voice or the, of the word of God through the picture of great thunder. And he's hearing the voice of the word of God through harpers harping with their harps. In First Chronicles, in First Chronicles chapter 25, it says in verse 3, Of Jeduathan, the sons of Jeduathan, Gedaliah and Ziri and Jeshahiah, Hashabiah, and Matthiah six under the hands of their father Jeduthun, who prophesied with a harp to give thanks and to praise Jehovah. Now, remember, this is the Bible. God doesn't just give statements without meaning. He's connecting prophesying with the heart. And prophesying in the Bible is when we speak forth the word of God. Uh, when, whenever any believer shares the word of God, they are prophesying. That's why the Lord says in Acts 2, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. He's, he's speaking of sharing the message of the word with others. And, and, and that is what prophesying is. Prophets were given divine revelation that they put forth and shared. And of course, that's a different category. There was an official um, role of prophet in the time when God was uh, still breaking the barrier of the supernatural and revealing divine information to his servants, the prophets. God's people today are spiritual prophets. We're not prophets in the sense of the office, as Isaiah and Jeremiah and and John, the Apostle John, were prophets that um, were receiving this revelation directly from God. No, we we aren't prophets in that way. No one is anymore. But God's people are prophets still 
in the sense of we share what the Bible says, and as we do so, we are prophesying. And and so prophesying upon harps, a musical instrument, a beautiful musical instrument that gives a lovely sound, is what a harp is. And And when the word of God is spoken and declared and prophesied, it too is giving a lovely, beautiful sound. In Psalm 49, Psalm 49, it says in verse 4, I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the heart. The parable and dark saying are one and the same. They're, they're synonyms. And I will incline mine ear to a parable. And the Bible is a parable because it's full of hidden truth. And Christ spoke in parables and without a parable he did not speak to teach us, to instruct his people on the nature of the word of God. He was the word made flesh. And therefore, since he would not speak without a parable, he certainly was showing us how we must understand the word of God, the Bible. And Psalm 49.4 says, I will incline mine ear to a parable. Remember how often Jesus would say, um, let him who has ears to hear, hear. And we need to be given spiritual ears in order to hear what the parable is speaking, what the word of God is saying, I will open my dark saying upon the harp. Again, prophesy upon the harp. You incline your ear to a parable. That is, you learn truth from the scripture. And then you open it on the harp. You you declare it. You play the music so others can hear. And that's, uh, again, a picture of declaring the scripture, of of sharing the word of God. Well, let's turn to Isaiah 24. In Isaiah 24, God has given a chapter uh, wherein throughout the entire chapter he is describing Judgment Day on the world. We we won't go through it, but you're welcome and encouraged to read it. And you'll find the word earth used many times and world. It is not focused on the church in any, in any way. It is a chapter where God wants us to know this is the judgment on unsaved people of the world. And And in this chapter, in Isaiah 24, verse 8, he says, The mirth of tabrets ceaseth, the noise of them that rejoice endeth. The noise of them that rejoice endeth, the joy of the harp ceaseth. Joy. Luke 15 tells us there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. Well, That has to do with salvation. When God granted the gift of repentance to sinners, he was saving them. And he gave a new heart. Therefore, they repented in their heart from all those sins that that naturally 
uh, flowed forth from their heart of stone. Now they have a new heart, so there was repentance. And, and the joy of the harp, the harp that prophesies the word of God, and the resulting joy in heaven when sinners repent uh, as a result of that prophecy, because it was God's intention to send forth his word into the world, to seek and to find the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and to draw them to himself and to save. But now the joy of the heart ceaseth, because it's judgment day, and the harp still plays. God's people still prophesy upon the harp. They're still speaking forth the word of God, but there's no more joy. There's there's no more repentance, and uh, therefore there's there's no joy in heaven uh, because no one is actively being saved, only in that regard of course there's much joy and praise of god and 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 we were not to understand heavens as a gloomy place but in so far as god's salvation program is concerned there was a particular joy when a person heard was given ears to hear and became saved faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god but that joy, for that reason, has ended in heaven and and uh, the joy of the harp ceases because there is no more salvation. All right, let's go back to Revelation 14. And again, the end of verse 2, And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. The harpers would be the believers or God himself who is... A prophet, so he prophesies, of course, and and they're harping with their harps. It's the the glorious sound of the word of God, of the voice of God, who is the word. And then it says in verse three, and they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts or four living creatures. And the elders, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. The new song has to do with God's salvation. And, yes, we've seen this too in Revelation, in chapter 5. I'll start reading in verse 7. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book... The four living creatures and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So again, the new song involves being redeemed. We find the new song referenced in the Psalms a few times. In Psalm 40 and the first few verses, I waited patiently for Jehovah, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up 
also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and establish my goings. And he has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear, and shall trust in Jehovah. So here David, writing under inspiration of God, is saying that he was brought up out of a horrible pit, and his feet were set upon a rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, and a new song was put into his mouth, praise unto God. Many will see and hear. And this is the song of the gospel. We also read in Psalm 98, in verse 1, O sing unto Jehovah a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his his holy arm has gotten him the victory. And that, um, of course, is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the right hand of God. His holy arm points to salvation. And the victory is over sin and all the enemies of the kingdom of God. And one last verse in Psalm 144, or a couple of verses, Psalm 144, verse 9. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. God gives salvation to kings, and yes, David was a king of, of Israel, but spiritually, all the those that God saves are likened to kings. And uh, so the new song that is being played on the psaltery, psaltery and the instrument of ten strings has to do with salvation to the people of God. And and this is what's in view in our verse in Revelation 14, 3. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures. And the four living creatures, remember, are also a figure of God himself. They represent God. And the elders, the 24 elders, 12 picturing the Old Testament saints, 12 picturing the New Testament saints, so that the 24 in total figuratively represent all those that God saves, the whole company of the elect. And then it goes on to say, No man could learn that song, but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. And and again, keep in mind the hundred and forty four thousand are the first fruits that identify with all those saved during the church age, and and therefore this statement is limited to the church age of all that lived during that period of time from thirty three AD through nineteen eighty eight AD. The, the complete 1955 years of the church age, no man could learn that song. That song, remember, according to Psalm 40, you first must be lifted up out of a horrible pit. That is, uh, you, you were once under the wrath of God, subject to destruction, but you're saved and delivered. You're lifted out of the pit. Your feet are set upon a rock. The Lord Jesus, as now you're a living stone built upon that foundation 
unto a spiritual house, and God places a new song in your mouth. Many shall hear and fear the Lord as a result of that song. You have become saved. You begin to proclaim the gospel. Others hear and fear, and they become saved. That's how God has operated during the day of salvation for many centuries. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.